0: Welcome back to Satellite Stories, everyone. Today, we're talking about the big picture of what now, what next, and where, when it comes to the satellite industry. For this episode, we'll be in conversation with Nihar Shah, who heads up strategy and market intelligence at SES. And I'm telling you, he's the man when it comes to future thinking and spotting trends for SES. And it's incredible to have a little insight as to where he thinks the industry is headed. The topics on the table, pretty wide ranging, from the emergence of 5G and cloud as their defining technologies of the future, to the growing interest of how satellites are helping tackle climate change, to how the pandemic and the war in Ukraine have impacted supply and demand, as well as huge inroads already underway for innovation in space and scalable public health facilities. There's lots to dig into. So let's dive straight in. Welcome to Satellite Stories. I'm your host, Christina Smithmeyer, And up next is my conversation with Nihar Shah. Enjoy. Hello, Nihar. Welcome to the podcast. It's always fun to speak with a strategy and insights person. We always get to learn so much when we chat with you.
1: Hi, Christina. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Now, Niha, the last couple of years have been a bit of a mess with regards to the global pandemic. Can you tell us how has the pandemic influenced trends in the industry? Give me a bit of a laundry list, if you will.
1: Well, that's a very long laundry list. So what I always have to think about is the market environment, so the landscape and specifically long term trends that impact our industry. They could be political, they could be social, they could be economic or technological. And in that sense, the pandemic has been a seismic event because it's impacted all of those things, and it's a once-in-a-generations event. How we work, how and what governments fund, you know, how we manage supply chains, how we deal with inflation, what kind of infrastructure we will invest in, all of those things have been impacted by the pandemic. So let's look at working from home, for example. I mean, that's something we never used to do but now it's sort of the new normal and you know we've all had to step up as an economy to enable that companies had to enable that you know rapidly uh, whether we're using zoom or teams Um, there's also labor market expectations of young people nowadays to say look that's non-negotiable for me i will i will work from home and i'm not willing to give that up so As employers, we've all needed to make adaptations to to say, how will we allow people to work from home? And that's had an implication on our technology choices, on the facilities, where we have offices, and it's also impacted where people can live. It also has meant that governments are stepping into the tunes of billions of dollars to invest in infrastructure to enable that, to enable a new way of working. Another example of what the pandemic has created is a supply chain crisis of gargantuan pr- proportions. I mean, there's a shortage of everything nowadays and, you know, companies have been relocating suppliers out of China and even that's been dis- disruptive. You know, bad supply chain situation has been responsible for inflation, for everything from like chipsets to amplifiers and antennas to satellites and even rocket launches. Everything is in short supply and that's impacted our industry a lot. And you know, governments have responded with tighter monetary policy, which has had its own bad effects. You know, we raised the cost of borrowing for companies, but it's also depressed the valuations of a lot of firms that don't have revenue right now. So, in order to deal with this, I think all companies, big and small, have had to really dig deep, be creative, be resourceful, and bootstrap our way out of the problem. You know, many industries have had the same issue. It's just not the space industry. But the aftershock of the pandemic has been really, really significant. And then then comes Ukraine on top of that. And that sort of served to tip the world economy over the, the precipice or the edge. A lot of the issues that we dealt with during the pandemic have sort of been exacerbated by Ukraine. Energy and food prices have gone through the roof. And that's made a bad supply chain and a bad inflation even worse. And then other things are like, components and industrial processes. I mean, Ukraine itself is a big producer of industrial components, also industrial gases like liquid oxygen, for example. And that's been a vital resource for the space industry that's in short supply now. You know, Russian launch systems like Soyuz are off the market and Ukrainian companies like Antonov, which fly the only aircraft, heavy lift aircraft, capable of transporting satellites from where they're made to where they're launched. These are all out of service, and that's really impacted the satellite industry because we have delays in launching a lot of our satellites and constellations. But, you know, in this crisis, I think there's also been opportunity for companies like SpaceX or companies in India, like ISRO and NSIL to step up and fill the shortage of launch vehicles. Another issue that that the pandemic has created is obviously around scalable public health capabilities. So, you know, getting vaccines distributed health workers trained up, mass testing, and being able to recover from that has been a big, enormous effort that public governments have had to fund and support. And the digital connectivity has been essential to doing that. A lot of what we take for granted now is QR codes. That's all only possible because we use a new digital architecture to support verification of vaccination. So, in that sense, the pandemic and Ukraine have sort of pancaked on each other making the world economy more complicated and challenging, but also unleashing a lot of creativity and innovation to work around the problems and thrive. You know, we've all been forced to think creatively, to do things differently as employers, and we're all thinking about those impacts and how to mitigate them, how to manage them, and preferably how to leverage them going forward.
0: So, Niha, you touched on something I'd like to dig a little deeper into, digital defense, particularly around Ukraine. Can you talk about what it means and what impact it's had?
1: Yes, for sure. I mean, Ukraine has been a tragic war, as all wars are. It's unleashed so much death and destruction and displacement across the heart of Europe. And it's really gut-wrenching to see. But in that crisis is also a case study of how warfare will evolve. In terms of the advantages of intelligence and communications, uh, new defense technology, public relations and public information in all of these domains. Ukraine has taught us something new, is teaching us every day something new. And I would argue that the space industry has played the critical role in this conflict. They have been able to communicate, the military has been able to communicate. And you could argue that without that, Ukraine wouldn't have survived as long as it has. Another example is the role that space-based imaging and Earth observation systems have played allowing the Ukrainians to have intelligence advantages over the Russians. They can see what the Russians are up to in all weather conditions, giving them that slight advantage on the battlefield. And this has all been enabled through pretty advanced space technology that many Western companies have been willing to provide Ukraine, in many instances, free of cost. It was quite interesting when the Ukrainian Minister for Telecommunications went on Twitter and publicly asked Western companies by name and by CEO to help his country. And a lot of them responded in that way. So again, Ukraine has benefited from space technology, giving them a little bit of an advantage over Russia on the battlefield, which has proved quite decisive. You can also see that in the use of drones by both sides in the conflict. And drones obviously rely on satellite positioning, navigation and timing, and also satellite connectivity. And they have been Quite lethal and decisive in in this in this war, and finally there's also a war in Ukraine that that, that relates to public opinion and how public opinion is shaped. And, and a lot of news organizations have come to us from the heart of Ukraine, from Kiev, uh, from Kherson, showing us the death and destruction, showing the impact it's had on hospitals, on apartment complexes, on schools, and that's really changed public opinion and shape, shaped public opinion, especially in the West. To mobilize support for Ukraine. And if you contrast that with what's happening in Russia, where information is being tightly held by a lot of the state-run media companies, they're able to shape their narrative of the war. So again, you can see the impact of media and the control of media and how satellite can enable that for good or for bad.
0: Thanks, Niha. So let me ask you this, where do you see the space industry going? What are the persistent trends that you see, despite the disruptions that we're all facing?
1: That's a great question. And so the persistent trends are the ones that I tend to focus on the most. And the persistent trends have not gone away. In fact, they've probably been accentuated or accelerated because of what's happened with the pandemic and because of what's happened with Ukraine. I think those remain quite clear in our industry. One of them is definitely the emergence of 5G and cloud as the defining technologies of the future. That is going to change industries, whether it's better agriculture more efficient energy whether it's improved more accessible health care whether that's new forms of sports and entertainment the combination of very fast low latency networks and hardcore computing power positioned at the edge of the network closest to users can create some unbelievably powerful use cases we will see a lot more of them in the future a second one is probably around how fundamental ESG, environmental and social governance, has become to companies. We all aspire now to be good corporate citizens of the world and we're taking it really seriously, but it's really something that allows space to come into its own. You know, connectivity from space can allow us to recover from climate-induced disasters, you know, allow underprivileged communities to connect and be part of the larger world economy. It can also play a huge role in ensuring we're being good stewards of our planet and preserving the environment by observing commitments that we've made. For example, tracking carbon emissions, industrial pollution, deforestation, depletion of water resources, even migration flows across the Mediterranean. You can track all of this using satellite technology, so it becomes a very powerful tool enabling that. You know, climate is not just about the degradation of the environment. I mean, it has many implications around war, famine, refugees, and the impact on biodiversity. And of course, space itself has to be treated as the common heritage of mankind. So let's not be selfish and start littering space and leaving it a junkyard for future generations. We have to clean up after ourselves and keep space free of debris, free of clutter, free of pollutants for generations to come. And that that creates a big opportunity for space-based innovation that can foster responsible use of space. A third trend I would say is around space innovation. And we call that space 2.0 or maybe space 3.0 now. And new space is another term that's often used. And this is the vibrant ecosystem that surrounds us where hundreds or thousands of early stage firms are attracting billions of dollars of venture capital To do very innovative and disruptive things, these are going to take the space industry to the next level, to the next generation. And whether that's in the way satellites are built, whether it's in the way antennas are designed and the materials antennas are made of, whether it's software and cloud computing, whether it's imaging analysis like I alluded to earlier, whether it's new cost-efficient launch systems or new forms of connectivity, there's so many things that are being innovatively disrupted today, that are going to change the entire look and feel of the space industry, and by definition, the planet itself. Another long-term trend, I would say, is around media and consolidation. And it's pretty clear to anyone who has a, a cell phone and reads the news, that media is being controlled by a fewer and fewer number of companies. And there's the importance of those media companies wanting direct access to consumer information, but also consumer eyeballs. They don't want to have their content disintermediated between them and us. And so that's a big trend which we call direct to the consumer that is going to change the way media is actually delivered and media is interacted with. And of course that doesn't mean that there's no future for broadcast television. On the contrary, I think there's enduring value for broadcast television. I just mentioned Ukraine and how how those images live streamed or live beamed into our living rooms is changing our perception of that war you know we still watch the news in the pandemic we all watched the news we were literally glued to the news because we wanted to know what our governments knew and we wanted to know what we had to do to protect ourselves so the the point i'm making is there's a, a very enduring value for broadcast and as long as we have shared social experiences as long as we have to reach many people with high quality content at the same time, as long as there's news to be had and sports to be watched, um, I don't doubt for a second there's going to be a very, very important role for broadcast to play. And that broadcast is probably going to look pretty different in the future. I would say it was it's going to be augmented with mixed reality and geoanalytics and very targeted contextual advertising. And it's going to be enriched with social media but broadcast is is always going to be with us i would say also that governments particularly uh, after what happened with the pandemic and and for example in the us what's happened after the uh 2016 election there's a value on the truth or or what some people would say the untruth and having a broadcast capability to reach your own population with your own message is a very very powerful tool which i think all governments understand and like i said earlier that tool can be put to good use or bad use but it's still a very valuable tool so again i think there's some things that broadcast television have that other technologies really cannot replicate in the same way and as long as you can't do that with other technologies the broadcast medium is is very much here here to stay and, and becomes arguably a very key uh, lever in the future. And lastly, I think it would be a miss to, to not talk about the age of satellite constellations or mega constellations where you have hundreds and thousands of satellites that are going to be circling the earth, uh, providing broadband connectivity to people, to businesses, to communities, to governments. You know, this is something that was conceptualized over two decades ago, but I don't think the technology was, was quite there yet. Today, the te- is there because there's been so many improvements and so much innovation that you could actually deliver all of this stuff and do so in a way that that we had never anticipated before. So we were, we're living that right now. Uh, today it's a reality. But I think it ties back to the potential it can unleash in terms of if space is put to good use, but it also points to issues around space sustainability. Are we going to actually clutter our atmosphere and upper atmosphere with all of these orbiting satellites. And what does that mean for us? What does that mean for our future generation? So I think you have to balance both of these things.
0: Well, Niha, as always, it's been such a pleasure catching up. Thank you for your time today.
1: Thank you so much, Christina.
0: As Niha always does so well, He's captured the forces not only impacting our business at SES, but also what's happening elsewhere. And that's exactly what we love to do here on Satellite Stories. Peer a little deeper into issues across all segments of the industry and across the world. Make sure you follow this series so you're notified the moment our next podcast episode becomes available. And for more about what we do, visit SES.com. Bye for now.